Welcome to Utopia Dispatch, the podcast about reimagining the future and reshaping the world. This episode is a conversation from our recent series, A Climate of Hope, where we explore solutions to the climate crisis that are good for the planet and good for us humans as well. A while ago, we posted an episode about renewable energy. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't already. In that episode, we introduced Leila Fortunado, who's one of the directors of Bannister House Solar, a community-owned solar energy project based in the housing estate where she lives in East London. This is the full interview with Leela, where she told me about the exciting benefits and all the challenges of launching and running a community energy project. She's also just a really inspiring lady, so I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. All right, Leila, we're delighted to have you on the podcast. Welcome to Utopia Dispatch. Um, so you are director of the Bannister House Community Solar Project in Hackney. Um, can you start off by telling us a bit about the project? Okay, so the Bannister House uh, Solar Project is a, benefits, a community benefit society um, that was um, it, with solar panels that are community owned on a social housing project. Um, so it's, it means that this, the local people and others have invested into the solar panel, so it's um, community owned. Um, it's one share, one vote. Um, you get, I think it's 3.8% return at the moment, and then there's a 20% return that goes into the community fund. Um, and um, there's also a, an internship that's been attached to it as well, so that the young people get to learn um, different ty- types of skills about how solar panel works and, thing, and working with the community. Um, and then there were also workshops that went along with it. So there were solar panel uh, making workshops, energy saving workshops um, to get the community, the wider community, more involved. Okay, sounds like a great project. So going back to the start, um, how did what inspired you to get involved? Uh, so I saw posters. This is back in beginning of 2014. I just saw posters around, um, and I'm I have an interest in climate change. Obviously, concerned about what's going on, just like everyone else. And I just wondered when I saw solar panels. I thought, oh, okay, that might be something that's interesting. Let me go and find more about find out more about it. And um, then I went and spoke very briefly um, to Afshin Aga, who were the ones that are running. Um, they were running the project at the time. And um, then they invited me to have a more in-depth conversation on a different day and told me all about the project in more detail. And I just felt like it was something that was really exciting and also very down-to-earth and suited for local people. Mm. And then, so then fast-forwarding to you becoming director, how how did that journey happen? Um, It wasn't something that was planned. Uh, In the beginning, I was very much, oh, I don't have time, I've got all these other things going on. And then someone who was a director, so sort of six months on, someone who was a director dropped out. And then there was a space there, and they, it was just, they just asked me. And it was school holidays at the time, so I had a little bit of extra time. And they reassured me that it's really about just putting in as much time as I can, so there wasn't any pressure to put in more than I could. Uh, so I just yeah, decided it was something that I could do. It must be quite a lot of work to fit that alongside your day job and looking after the kids. Uh, it was at the time because yeah. it was that process of 2014 into 2015. They went live in November. So that kind of, especially the last, sort of final six months, there was a massive push in terms of our time and energy that we had to put into So putting it. out that community share offer and trying to get yeah, all of that the was, raise that all the money. Yeah, that did take up a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. 
So what motivated you to, how did you stay involved? Like what was the driver behind that? Um, I think because I believed in what it could do for the community. I believed in the whole idea, the the idea of of, uh, solar panels being community owned. Um, The fact that it could be something that could bring the community together. It is obviously about the environment, but it's also about empowering local people. And I know that what my estate, Bannister House, has has always been this feeling that we can never do anything, nothing ever happens, nothing good ever happens for us. And um, even if people weren't involved, just seeing, especially seeing the young people involved and and engaged uh, and noticing just that sort of community spirit um, that sort of came about, especially during those couple of years, that was something that for me was quite inspiring. And the people that I, working, I was working with and repowering, they're very, very enthusiastic. Uh, they, make, they sort of make you feel like anything's possible. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the main drive. Did this project change in any way the conversation that people were having around environmental issues or climate change? Do you think it raised awareness? Um, I think definitely raised awareness. I think from talking to people at the time, I think people were already aware. But I do think that when you're dealing with people in deprived areas, and and I I know from my own experiences, your first priority is about making sure that you can feed yourself, um, you can heat your home. So I think it was more about fuel poverty for people than it was about climate change. Um, And the question that you, I would always get on when I spoke to people is, how is this going to help me reduce my, my bills, my energy bills? So that was something that was also um, part of uh, the project. So we also had um, energy audits where we, we teamed up with, I forget the name of the company now, we teamed up with another company where we went to people's homes and uh, they would um, sort of go around the, house, um, the flat and see where they could make some savings on their bills and they provided sort of advice um, and also gave different energy saving devices as well to help people. Uh, so that would have, I mean, I had it done and I know that that would have helped me, that, well, that did help me to reduce my energy bills. So those sorts of one-to-one kind of engagement was something that I think as well that really people appreciated, especially people who are a bit older and maybe not very familiar with how to do things. So people bought share. You managed to raise the money to buy the panels from uh, people just in Bannister House. And uh, no, no. So I think about twenty percent was from Bannister House, okay. then from Hackney, and then the wider uh, sort of London as a whole. Um, so we, you know, some people, if you were living on Bannister House, you're able to invest a minimum of fifty pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're off uh, living outside the estate, then you had to invest. You could invest as much as you wanted, mm-hmm. um, but it had to be a minimum of two hundred and fifty pounds. So it just made it just more, more accessible for the actual residents because a lot of people on the estate are on quite low income. Um, so that was a good selling point for people. And again, as I said, seeing the young people getting involved and doing stuff, that was a massive plus for a lot of people, even if they weren't, didn't sign up for things themselves. Yeah. Um, and then when everyone saw that the panels actually went on, I don't think a lot of people believed it until when they saw the trucks coming and you saw it actually being installed. They're like, wow, actually, we, you know, we have done something. Um, although there's a lot, that it was always a lot of fear that, oh, this is the council, so it's constantly having to reassure people that this is independent of the council, even though, of course, you have to get the council's approval to do everything. What was that day like when you got them installed? Um, I, I mean, I, I always left for work in the morning, but I'd get all the photos because my daughter was helping with the installation. And it was just, see, when you, I first saw the cranes coming, because you never, you sort of, you know it's going to happen, but you don't, you, you can't quite believe it until it happens. So it was really exciting and just uh, felt quite proud that we did that. 
So, yeah, it was good. And was that young people and old people alike? Everyone got involved? Did um, everyone get involved? Yeah, so there's some of the, uh, yeah, so the interns were of different age groups, so there were some of the interns involved in that, and then the actual company that was um, involved in doing the installation, they would have been there, and then some members of Repowering, um, I think some of the directors were around as well, the others... Yeah. So you came home from work and there were soil panels on the roof? Well, it took, I think it took about a week to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a process, but it was, you know, it was good that, yeah, it was nice the way it happened, yeah. So this internship sounds really exciting. Can you tell us a bit more about what the internship for young people is? Um, so it's, I think it's something between 12 and 16 weeks. So they recruit a certain number of young people. And when my daughter and son did it back in 2014... Um, it was about seven, about 20 people that they started off with. Um, and then they learned different skills um, about solar panels, the, the sort of technology behind it. They learned about procurement. Um, uh, they learned about the, um, the whole process of running a community benefit society. They were also involved in some of the branding of Bannister House Solar. Um, they, had, they were able to contribute to how they thought the community fund should be spent or what did they think the needs were in the local area um, they, they were uh, I think they also did things to do with their CVs they learned how to sort of engage with the community and they were involved in door knocking and things like that and they got paid a London living wage as well every week when they came so it was like two hours a week and, and then any other sort of things that popped up. So when they did the um, energy audits, they also participated in that as well, to so go to people's homes. Um, so anything that would that popped up or any other opportunities, like they got to sort of mix with people from Kai up in Barclays and various other sort of organisations, we went to Parliament. Uh, so, yeah, not everybody participated in everything, but extra things that happened, people dipped in and out as they could. Um, and then the, the programme that they've just run from September, uh, where my older son was involved, that one they got, it's an AQA accredited course, so they get a certificate for it as well. So, so all of I think it's progressed a lot since then, so I'm yeah. not sure about yeah. the newer course, um, what the details of it are. So all of your kids have taken part in that yeah. internship? Yeah. And how, what did they find from it? How did they enjoy it? Um, I think the the, uh, the older two, they got a lot of, um, I suppose, learning to work together with others, um, being aware of what the community needs were. I think it was nice for them to feel they actually had a voice because I think there's a lot of uh, feelings of, you know, no one listens to us, no one cares. We're kind of on the outside of society type thing with a lot of young people, um, teenagers in, in Hackney and I'm sure other deprived areas of London. Um, so it's that fact that they're being listened to um, and they're being involved um, I mean the, the skills that they learned as well they've been able to sort of talk about those things and use those things in sort of jobs and sort of courses that they've done and interviews I think it gave them a lot of confidence as well um, and give the, gave them the opportunity to see that if you do something different you can get some a different outcome um, and there's different pathways as well um, and, of course, the, the technical skills as well, because they helped with the installation. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's good. And then, as well as paying back the shareholders, the, there's a community fund that you mentioned that um, is a little pot of money that gets used by the Bannister House. Can you tell us a bit about who chooses what's done with that? 
Um, so every we have an AGM every year, and then the directors and so whoever comes, whoever's involved from the community who is wants to be involved, will discuss what we think the money should be spent on, um, and then it's all of the process of going through, um, I suppose, red tape to get it done. <laughs> Um, because some of the things that we want to do, um, it's quite difficult because you have to negotiate with the council and things like that to get things done. Uh, so it's uh, we, we still sort of the money's still building up at the moment. So we haven't actually spent the money yet. Yeah. So what are some of the ideas? Um, so one of the the big ideas is um, like getting the youth club started again. So there was a youth club there going back five years or so, um, and a lot of it came well more than that because it came from Olympic um, funding. So that went on for sort of two, three years, um, and then the council decided uh, to shut it down. Um, but when it was running, it made a really big difference to the community, so that's one of the things um, that is really, as far as I'm concerned, it's really essential. Um, we also unfortunately lost two of um, the interns to stabbing, so two of them died. So we wanted to put a plaque um, to dedicate, de- dedicate it to them as well. Um, so that's something that we're thinking about. And again, you need permission to be able to do that mm. from Hackney Council because it's got to go up on the community hall. And then we need some kind of covering um, to make sure it doesn't get damaged. Um, and then there's also ideas about this community garden as well. So some of the funding, uh, that one of the directors is involved in the community garden. So she, she's, and then the younger, especially the very young children, they get involved in that as well. So we're sort of thinking about maybe running some kind of courses associated with that. Um, but again, there's a little like, red tape, a bit of red tape with that, so it's kind of getting that off the ground. Um, and also, um, the other idea was to work with uh, organisations that deal with domestic violence um, to see if there's some way that we can provide signposting, I suppose is the right way to put it, towards uh, for people in, a, um, in that situation. Um, uh, yeah, so it's amazing how many great ideas people have had for yeah, things yeah. that they could do in their in their local area to mm-hmm. to help. I think the key thing for these kind of organisations is every area is different, yeah. and you need to sort of look at like what they're doing in North Kensington. You just think about Grenfell, really, don't you? So it's really about well, what are the needs of the people, but the people have themselves have to say what the needs are, because I think that a lot of things don't work is because other people will say, oh, this is what we think you should do, and this is what you think you need. Um, but that means you don't get the cooperation and you're not necessarily accurate in what you think people need. So it really needs to be something where you're working with the communities to get things done. So do you think community energy is one way of doing that? Yeah, definitely. And it won't, I don't think it, you, it will be the same, as I said, for every community needs different things. Um, so especially in urban, inner city areas have different needs to perhaps you know, small communities outside of um, cities, for example. Is there something special about having generated that electricity and that income yourselves? Is there something about the shared ownership of a community energy project? Yeah, I I think um, because then you, it makes you feel, even though at the moment it's not going straight into people's homes, but there is also sort of a pilot going on to make um, to find out how we can make that happen, um, which would help reduce people's bills. But it's also the sense that we're very, very slowly coming up with ways to fight the, the big energy companies, because at the moment they are the ones that are just really, they have such a tight hold on everything. They don't, I, I don't personally think there's an interest in making it easier for the ordinary people. Their, their goal is to make as much money as possible. 
Um, so this is a sort of a way of, in a way, sort of taking back control, even though it's minute at the moment. It, it's it, it's something that could grow into something bigger later on if it, this kind of model can be spread around. Definitely. Do you think that's something that do people at Bannister House feel that is that? Something? Yeah, I think there's so much. Some people are sort of more aware of it than others. Um, so from some people that I've spoken to that yeah I do think that is the thing where people always complain about different energy companies we, what do we do if you switch from one to another it's the same the prices are constantly going up and it's that that sort of sense of not having any kind of power um, and it's not it's nice for people to know that actually there is a way forward and we do have some control over what happens um, and I think that that feeds into a lot of other things so you know in, tense, in terms of just being involved in what goes on in the community voting for example just the mere fact that you know okay this happened because there were people on our estate that did it okay maybe I can be involved in other things and I could because there's more people have come on board since they saw what happened um, and more people have been interested so you think maybe in a way community energy can be the first step in more like participation within the community yeah, and people definitely. feeling empowered to, yeah, definitely. to take action. Yeah, That's exciting. Mm. So in terms of scalability, do you think this is something that we could roll out across London? Yeah, I think, but I do think it needs lots of support um, because when you try and do things on a much wider scale where it needs a lot more money, this is where, and then there's also lots of red tape where councils can be, are not always as co- co- cooperative as they can be. Um, and also some of it is like how much of the costs, the savings that they're making, like at the moment, the savings, I think in Lambeth, I may be wrong about this, but from what I know in Lambeth, they passed on the savings to their electricity bills onto the residents. But it's a much smaller sort of, um, uh, sort of electricity service that they have because um, the buildings are smaller. But uh, for Hackney Council haven't done that for us. Um, so they're making a saving because they're getting the electricity cheaper. <laughs> but, you know, those kind of things do make a difference, I think. Are they making any savings, like in the communal areas? Or? Yeah, because they're paying less than... The, I don't know what the figures are, so Avshin or Ag will be able to tell you that, but they're making... And they're paying less for their electricity for the communal areas than they were before. OK. What well, the residents are? The, no, the, the Hackney Council are paying less for their bill because they're they're pay they're buying it from us. Okay. But they're not passing on that savings to, you know, rent and stuff like that. So community energy can benefit everyone but only if the big players are, are in agreement, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that's something we need to iron out. Mm-hmm. So on that, like what have been the biggest challenges of running this project? Um I think the, the big challenge we had was the original per- people that we got to um, company that we got to fit the um, or to, yeah to fit the solar panels that we wanted to get someone local but they just weren't big enough to be able to do the job and there was quite a lot of disputes between them and Hackney Council about who were responsible for certain kind of um, things like running certain lines and you know, those kind of things so the Hackney Council didn't want to take responsibility and then it was too much for this company to do and in the end it meant having to go with a, a different company. Um, so yeah, that was probably in the whole time that we were there. That was probably the biggest headache, um, and then also the time as well as like how much time you put into it. For me personally, that was a real sort of um, kind of I found that quite difficult because there were when things got really intense over a few months, there were times where we were putting in sort of two three hours a week at one stage, 
um, rather than just once a week, you know, for a couple of hours. So those those things, even though there's a, there's there's a few of us, you know, it does it does make it really difficult. It takes a lot of commitment. Yeah, and because it, it's not enough, there was never enough of us to do it. So it just means more work for everyone. Um, yeah. So it would be that's the thing I think getting people involved, more engagement. And because it seems like from going around and being at some of the other events of the other people, it seems that they have the same problem that there is a few core people. And then as the longer it goes on for the people that obviously because people have their own lives, people kind of drop off. Um, and it's that that is a real problem. How do you keep everybody engaged and how do you get as many people engaged when everyone is struggling so much with their lives? Yeah. Maybe if we can solve some of those problems that people are struggling with. Mm. then it will make it easier to be engaged yeah 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 definitely and what about what have been some of the main highlights throughout the the course of the project for you um for me i think seeing the young people engaged there was definitely a noticeable i suppose we don't that our estate doesn't have loads of trouble in terms of violence and things like that it usually comes from other people who come onto the estate, but there was definitely a noticeable drop in trouble. Um, a lot of the kids, not all the kids were from the estate, they were from the neighbouring estates as well, but it was almost like a sense of pride that actually we want to take care of the area, um, you know, we care about it, and it just reflected in how things were um, at the time things became. And I don't think it's ever gone back to that kind of level of calm really <laughs> um, but just seeing everyone being excited and involved and they did media projects and that, that just for me was the biggest highlight and seeing that maturity that I saw grow, grow you know in the, in the young people um, and seeing just the fact that they're acquiring skills and they learned how to do like draft proofing and all other little things as well um, so yeah, they just needed the opportunities to, yeah. to learn and develop I think so, yeah. And then just seeing how it was useful to them. So every time you go, they go, in, they went for any kind of interview, they always got asked about it. And it's because it's something different that you, most young people like they do extra things, but they do things that are maybe associated with their school. It's all kind of run of the mill or cadets or Duke of Edinburgh. You know, most people don't do anything like that. So it is really unique. Something that they're um, that they can say they stuck it out, they finished it, they did it all the way through. And same with Jay now, he's got the certificate. That's even, you know, helps him even, even more, I think. Um, and it's, I think it's definitely given them a work ethic. The, you know, I'm, I mean, I try to do that anyway, but I think that the course itself and being involved mm -hmm. has definitely given that kind of, well, we just have to grind to get what we want, really. Um, and, um, yeah, and then, of course, the highlight would be seeing the panels actually installed. Uh, and also just like working with a really great group of people, very inspiring group of people. And, you know, even for my own, myself, I, I experienced quite a lot of personal growth in terms of like my speaking skills, because I had to do a lot of public speaking, which I've never done before. Um, and just other skills I've never learned before. Um, and just being exposed to different types of environments takes you outside of your normal life and out of your comfort zone. And that's, that's how we grow as people. So that, that for me was really good. Yeah. Definitely. And thinking about the course for the young people, are they, I guess in a way they're learning skills for the future. If, if they're in the future we're going to have more and more renewable energy, mm -hmm. do they feel like they're learning skills, employability skills that they could use in the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they know the value of it, yeah. definitely. Yeah.
so they could all be solar energy installers well, in 20 years time <laughs> I don't know enough about the course to be able to say that um, but yeah I think it gave them a wide range of different skills um, so to give them options and choices they'll be the next generation of renewable energy experts in Hackney well who knows let's <laughs> hope and so what do you think is the future of community energy in London do you think that could be part of the way forward yeah I don't I mean we have so much uh, space <laughs> and so there's so much social housing around um, and again if everybody all, all different government local governments are on board and it's also schools as well there's so much scope for I think you know sort of rolling this out um, and the model is really sound as well the repair model so you know, I just think it's a win-win all round, but it just needs that effort from, you know, sort of like the powers that be to want to be able to do it, to, to think longer term, I think. Because I think people have a very kind of short-term view um, of, of the world, really, to be honest. Do you think there's, a, there's definitely an appetite among people? Yeah, I think increasingly there is, because I know more, more and more people are now aware of, you know, sort of climate change, um, fossil fuels running out, etc. So... I think, and also people want to be empowered to, to, to do things themselves and not have other people dictate to them. So I think when you take all those things into consideration, there's like, and I think even something like Brexit has motivated a lot of people to say, well, actually, no, I do need to speak up and say my piece and do things. Um, if, I, if I sit back, this is what happens kind of thing. So, yeah. And how has it made you feel to be now? You said that when in the beginning you, you wanted to do something about climate change and environmental mm. issues... How does it feel now to be doing something about it that's so proactive and so, like... No, it feels really good. It does. It makes me feel like there's so much more that I can do. Um, I, don't, I don't feel the limitations on myself and what other people do so, um, as much as I used to, anywhere near as much as I used to. I feel like there's so many things that, you know, people always say, well, this can't be done, that can't be done, and now I know, well, actually, it can be done. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, it just gives me a lot more hope for the future. So the sky's the limit? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. It just needs, you need, I think you need to be really resilient um, and you need to be not put off by all of the setbacks and be able to keep going regardless. So what's the main thing that you need for that? Is it a strong team or...? Yeah, it's a combination of having people who are all sort of thinking about the same, along the same lines. They have the same vision. Um, they're very determined. Um, and they, they want something better for the future. Uh, and, yeah, working together is absolutely essential. Yeah. And if you had to say what you think the, the best the main advantage of community energy is on a, on a sort of broad level, what would you say? I think it's empowering local people. That's the main thing. Because if you empower them with one thing, then they become empowered with so many other things and empowered to make changes maybe even in their own sort of day-to-day lives as well. Um, and really, at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want everyone to be independent and to be able to um, make decisions about the, how, where their future is rather than feeling like, oh, everyone's kind of dictating to me, I can't do this and I can't do that. Um, yeah. That's a pretty good advantage. Mm. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best with your project. Thank you. Um, hopefully we can roll out more projects across East London, North London, the whole of London, mm. the whole of the world. Yeah, that'd um, be good. And, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how it goes. Yeah, thank you very, very much. much. Okay, <laughs> thanks.
you to Leela for coming on the show to speak to us. So Leela lives in the UK and there's a lot of talk here at the moment about the green recovery that we need post-Covid. The idea that economic recovery could create lots of jobs and manufacturing and renewable energy is a pretty exciting one. But what does that look like in practice? How can we use this opportunity to grow our resilience during this crisis and build back better? Community-owned energy projects like Bannister House have an important role to play in this green recovery, showing us that a more distributed and locally controlled energy system that's based on renewables can go hand in hand with empowering communities. Leela's experience also tells us how putting resources in the hands of local people can go a lot further than the immediate material gains you get from it. That sense of ownership and collective endeavour and self-organisation that emerge can be the catalyst for much bigger and longer lasting change. This coronavirus pandemic has shown us how vulnerable our economy is and all over the world we're seeing calls for a more localised response to economic recovery as well as a green one. Community energy can be part of the solution that sets us on a path for a more resilient future. So if this sounds like something that you or maybe your neighbours would want to get involved in, you can find out loads of useful information at communityenergyengland.org, communityenergyscotland.org.uk or communityenergywales.org.uk if you live in the UK, that is. If you're listening from elsewhere, just search in your browser and see what organisations are nearby that can help you to get involved or maybe even start your own project. There are going to be more Utopia Dispatch episodes and interviews coming soon, so if you've enjoyed this episode, then please do join us on the next one. Mm-hmm.